Good morning, Bridge of Hope, and our family and the Piedmont Triad across North Carolina, the U.S., and the world. We are excited today to continue worshiping the Lord. We will uh, be moving uh, through our series, The Way to Joy, which we're continuing in for the next several weeks. Uh, before I get to our text, which is two passages, one in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, that's verses 1 to 4, and then Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. Uh, before we turn to these passages, I just want to celebrate again the wonderful family devotions that we've been experiencing each evening. Thank God this last Wednesday, our Apex Campus led us in intercessory prayer uh, in our Zoom prayer meeting, and so we have another prayer meeting coming up this Wednesday. And so we're just excited. It's been a wonderful 21 days of fasting. I want to encourage you to continue to send in your videos. Uh, you can email me or Pastor Thaddeus or Pastor Valerie, and we will schedule your video if you'd like to record it at church, which is, gives us a great background and great image. But you are also allowed to do it at your home. Uh, we just ask that you send it in as soon as possible. Uh, as we are receiving these videos, we may, um, uh, we may uh, broadcast these devotions even past uh, beyond the 21 days of fasting because it's just a wonderful experience. We're able to engage with our families. You're leading us in prayer and song, and we're just excited. So God bless you today as we turn to the word of God. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and it reads as follows. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy, hallelujah, may be complete. Amen. Now turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And we'll read verses 1 to 7. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. 
but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. Today, Bridge of Hope, I'd like to speak to you on the topic, our fellowship of joy. Our fellowship of joy. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the privilege of coming before you through Jesus Christ with your children, the people of God, the body of Christ, Bridge of Hope Church. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to us, that you would transform us and bring us into the fellowship that unleashes the joy of the Lord, hallelujah, and that this joy would remain and complete us. Father, I pray that we would have a caliber of relationship that transforms us to the praise and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our fellowship of joy. Growing up, I had many friends. Uh, some were friends because they lived close to my house and so we could easily play together. It was not so much that we had the greatest relationship, but they were near us. We wanted to play football or baseball or ride our bikes, and so we became friends. Others were because we had uh, an affinity in common. Maybe it was football or track for me, and and so friends became those who shared that love of these sports. Some of my close friends were actually relatives. And so because of our relationship and we were together so often, we were friends, close. Um, and then others, it was their personality or something about them that drew us. It wasn't that... Uh, we had everything in common. It was just that we trusted one another. We loved one another. We were drawn to each other. And so we just had a deep bond. Nothing is wrong with these kinds of relationships. In fact, I think the Lord wants us to have these relationships. However, the scripture lets us know that while these relationships should exist, there is another kind of relationship that he desires for the people of God. Jesus alludes to this in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 46 to 50, when his mother and brethren or, or, or siblings are outside and they said, Lord, your, your family is outside waiting to see you. And Jesus turns to them and says, my family are those who do the will of my father. Now, Jesus was not disparaging his natural 
uh, relatives, and he was not encouraging us to do that. Neither was he saying they are not important to him anymore. No, what he was trying to do in that moment was to emphasize a different relationship that should be present in the lives of his disciples because it was present in Jesus' life. And he was showing his disciples, you represent a relationship to me that's beyond flesh and blood. It's beyond affinity. It, it is rooted in something divine. And so when we look in 1 John, which we read earlier, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the apostle John is uh, specifying the significance of this relationship between the father, the son, and his disciples. And so um, he says, that which was from the beginning, the father, he says that in verses 1 and Two, he says, that which we have known, that which we have seen, that which we have heard. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And, and, and he's addressing really a specific issue because some were arguing against the divinity of Christ, that Jesus was alive, but he may not have been the Christ. And John is arguing, no, 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 you have to understand. We worship the Christ he is from the beginning and we have seen his life. We have heard of him. We walked with him. He, may, he was made manifest to us from the father. And then he goes on in verse uh, two to say, and that's the message of the gospel we proclaim that he has come to, from the father to us. And then he says, it's not just the message that we proclaim but it's a relationship that we have. Look at verse three. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, but why is this so important that you know him, that we proclaim this to him? So that you too may have fellowship with us. And so get this, he said, and indeed our fellowship is with the father and his son. And so he says, listen, we are proclaiming to you who Jesus is through the Father because we have fellowship with God, the Father and the Son, and, and we have this relationship with him, and we proclaim him to you so that you would have this relationship with him and so that you, we would have a relationship with one another. So it's a triangle of joy. I would call it a fellowship of joy, and I call it a fellowship of joy because of verse 4. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. How is our joy made complete? He says, when we, the apostles, your leaders, have, have a relationship with the Father and we make the Father and the Son known to you and you are brought into that relationship with the Father, our relationship is, you, is brought into existence because of your relationship with the Father. And so this is what unites us with a bond deeper than blood, deeper than personality, affinity, a love of something in common. What we have is the revelation of Christ. And it brings a bond to us. And what happens in this relationship, it brings us joy that I belong to God and you belong to God. The 
one who made us and created us and redeemed us and who has given us purpose and identity. You and I have this in common and our joy is abounding and complete as this relationship grows and deepens and is fostered. It is another kind of relationship. It is a fellowship of joy. Uh, that word uh, fellowship comes, it, it literally means a communion, a partnership. It, it comes from the Greek word koinonia. Uh, so with each other, it's based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, our gladness is complete when you and I are doing life with Jesus. Hallelujah. And 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 listen to and I want you to get how deep and significant this relationship is. Um because uh it says in verses 6 and 7 of that same chapter in 1 John, it says, "But if we say we have fellowship with Christ, with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Because you can't say I'm in deep relationship with Christ, but I'm going in the opposite way of which he's called me. He says, no, we're lying and we're not walking in the truth. But if we walk in the light of Christ as he is in the light, we have fellowship, listen, with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. He says, not only if we are walking with Christ and walking in the light together, you, my brother, with me, you, my sister, with me, when we are walking together with Christ, he says, listen, the blood of Jesus, which we, we have a relationship through the blood. It's his blood that has brought us nigh, that has brought righteousness and cleansing. Listen, he says, when that joy, that fellowship is in operation, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Listen, this relationship, this fellowship, it cleanses us, it sanctifies us, it fills us with gladness, it fills us with joy. This thing is deep. When we're walking together, it's a holy relationship. It brings us closer to God as we draw closer to one another through our bondedness in Christ. This thing cleanses us. And I want to show today how this fellowship of joy washes us and sanctifies us and transforms us. Uh, when we see how significant this fellowship of joy is, we recognize why it's important that no matter what has happened in this pandemic, we can't let it isolate us from one another. It's why we bridge, why we Zoom in our prayer meetings and our Bible studies we keep getting together. It's why we're doing videos of family devotions at night. It's why we started during this pandemic what's called micro groups, and you'll hear more about it as the year goes on. It's because we are meant to live together in Christ. Amen. We are not live, meant to live isolated. We are not meant to attend the service. In fact, one of the th good things about, believe it or not, the pandemic, it has caused us to have to really exhibit our fellowship. When you're sharing those devotions at night, we are worshiping God with you 
as you are sharing what Christ is sharing with you. And can I tell you, our joy is fulfilled. When I saw Vernell and her family and the Coopers and, and Tina and Darren and, 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 and Pastor Javier and, and, and Pastor Valerie and, and the Russell, when, when I saw you sharing what God is giving you, it, it filled me with joy and it ministered to me and it cleanses me and it speaks to me. And, and, and it unites me to you. And it makes me long to be with you. I'll tell you, I, wanna, I long, as I saw uh, uh, the Marsh kids getting, it made me long to hold them. It made me long to, to high-five. When I heard a Darren teaching, and I just thought, man, oh, hallelujah, amen. That's the word, man. Yes, it is a fellowship of joy. And I want you to know these this fellowship of joy, you see it even on a, on a small level throughout the scripture in these relationships. Haven't you remember Mary and Elizabeth and the joy that they shared as they celebrated together in Christ? Think about Ananias and Saul, and I'll talk about him a little bit later. Ruth and Naomi, Barnabas and John, and, and Paul and Barnabas, and Timothy and Paul, Joshua and Caleb. David and his early friend, Jonathan. And today I want us to look at David and Nathan. The fellowship of joy. Let me ask you, Bridge, do you have a relationship within the body that is distinct from your friends, distinct from your family. That's distinct from merely things you have in common because what you and I have in Christ is not just something we have him in common. It, it is our, it defines us. Our culture does not define us. Our sexuality does not define us. Our nationality does not define us. Christ defines us. So this, this is an existential issue here. When you and I have what causes us to exist and we share in him together. My God, it's special. Do you have a relationship within the body where it's clear this is a fellowship of joy? In the scripture that we read in, um, in 2 Samuel, we are introduced um, to the, um, the king David and the prophet Nathan. But this fellowship of joy that I'm alluding to does not begin in chapter 12. It actually uh, begins in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 2, it says, the king said to Nathan, after God had given him rest from his enemies, the king said to Nathan, see now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And verse three, and Nathan said to, king, to the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now, I want you to see what is happening here. First of all, I want you to know that yes, Nathan is the prophet of the Lord. 
David is the king. And they have their roles within the kingdom of God. But I want you to see this is a unique, a special relationship. Nathan, when he's speaking to David, is not just speaking out of merely his, his prophetic office, if you will. And David is not just speaking as the king. They are brothers in relationship with Yahweh that are speaking out of the passion of their heart. Uh, they are, in essence, sharing dreams, sharing their aspirations, sharing their hope. David uh, says to him, I I'm thankful for how God has blessed me with this place, this palace, and it's beautiful. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if we built a temple for God? And, and Nathan is like, yeah, you know what? Do what God is putting in your heart because, listen, David, God is with you. Uh, Pete Scazzaro Remember, he's the author of, of the book, um, The Emo Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And it's one of our books in the foundation series that we teach, that we ask all of our uh, members and family to go through because it's just a, it, it's such a constructive uh, discipleship book that helps us dig deep into our souls and allows the discipling of Christ to dig into our history and our present and even into our future. And uh, in it, Schizero says this. He says, one of the normative skills in a healthy relationship is when you see the sharing of hopes and dreams. The, see, the benefit is when, when you see disciples sharing their hopes and dreams together, it, it offers windows into their unique souls. It, it reveals significant parts of them that, that God is bringing to the forefront and it makes us richer as we support and listen to each other's hopes and affirm the grace of God in them to accomplish it. And so I want you to see what we're seeing here is not merely David being a king and, and Nathan being a prophet. They are sharing hopes. And so it is a bondedness in God and, and, and they are nurturing one another's souls. And, and I want you to know it's not a one-way street. We know this because in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 29 we see that that uh, Nathan seems to have shared it as well in verse 29 verse 25 uh, Nathan said uh, we it's recorded uh, through one of the descendants of Hezekiah it says and and Hezekiah stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals harps liars according to the commandment of David of, and of Gad the king's seer and of Nathan the prophet for the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets and so what we see is that Nathan was inspired by the Lord to say okay not only would it be great to have this tabernacle but when we enter into God's presence wouldn't it be great to have 
these Levites coming in with the music and the presence of God and just celebrating him. So Nathan is sharing his and we see it later on that, that Nathan spoke into that same hope and dream of David and it's like a sharing. I'll tell you, joy comes out of this fellowship when we share our hopes and dreams. Listen, we're not just supposed to come to church and, and just sing and just read the scripture and just hear the word and, and, and even just to pray. We're supposed to be sharing one another's hearts, our ups and downs, our weaknesses, our strength, and our hopes and our dreams. Joy comes as we bond knowing what God is doing and nurturing within us. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We are creative beings. And so he, he causes us to want to do things for him. And when we share it with one another in Christ, let me tell you, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And so um, we need to see, though, that this, this joy doesn't just flow out of our sharing alone, but it also flows out of us hearing the word and not, or rather not just the sharing of our hopes and dreams, but sharing the word with one another. Look at verse four. So Nathan has just said to um, Jonathan, I mean to David, do what's in your heart, right? He was excited for what for what was in the king's heart. And Nathan is like, this is great. And as Nathan is leaving, look at what it says in verse four. But that same night, maybe Nathan was sleeping, the Lord appeared to him. The word of the Lord came to David, came to Nathan and said, go and tell my servant David thus. And so this is very important. When we are sharing in this fellowship, we're not just sharing our hopes and dreams. We are also sharing with one another, what has God said to you? And do you know what God said to Nathan? God said to him something about the dream that he had. He said, David, I know this is your dream, and God has put it in your heart that this house would take place, but you need to know you're not the one who's going to do it. God has said, through, God has spoken his word to me and he's not going to do it through you. He's actually going to do it through your offspring. But I want you to look even further down. He says, when your day, verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. That's what David wanted, right? But God says, no, you're not going to do it. Your son is going to do it. Your offspring is going to do it. He's going to build that house for my name. And listen, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Listen, here's key. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me and your throne shall be established forever 
in accordance with all these words, accordance with all this vision Nathan spoke to David. And so God, through Nathan, spoke a powerful word to David. David, God says, I'm going to, you're not going to do it. And that may disappoint you, but I've got to share God's word. You're not going to build the house, but the house will be built. You're, you can provide the supplies, but it's your offspring who's going to do it. And not only will your offspring do it, but the word of God says, I'm going to establish his throne and it's not going to be cut off. But from that, even that offspring, from yours and that offspring, I'm going to raise up an eternal kingdom. And <laughs> let me tell you how wonderful this is. That king is Christ. That king is Christ. I want you to know that. And so uh, he says, I'm going to give you an everlasting throne. You know, Bridge, today, I want you to know that this is what God wants us to share. He wants us to share our hopes and dreams in this fellowship of joy. And he wants us to share his word with us. In fact, I, and, and I want you to know that when we are praying and seeking God together and encouraging one another in the word, I want you to see what's going to happen. God will raise up in this relationship a prophetic voice, an authentic voice, even an authoritative voice that's even beyond your encouragement because this is more than encouragement. This is a prophecy, a spoken word, and I want you to know that this is what God even wants for us where God wants to speak to us through his word and by his spirit and even through us to one another. And, 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 and this happens in this fellowship of joy. Um, you know, people run to prophets. Speak to me, speak to me. Tell me what God is saying. Give, speak to me. Almost like they're running to palm readers. Listen, you don't go from church to church looking for a word from God. Listen, you want God to speak to you, get in relationship with him. Have fellowship with God. Amen. And have fellowship with your brother. And listen, you have fellowship with God and God's going to speak to you through his word. God's going to speak to you by his spirit. But I want you to see the added development of the body in this relationship, this fellowship of joy. When we are in deep connectiveness and relationship with one another, guess what happens? We will speak to one another. And he even goes on to say, and listen, you'll begin to hear even a prophetic word from one another. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 5 to 19 says, do not despise prophecies, but test them and hold fast to what is good. In other words, everybody who tells you they got a prophecy, don't listen because you got to test it to see whether, whether this is from the Lord. We have to discern and recognize, is this God speaking? But let me tell you, don't doubt it. Don't doubt that God will speak to you in the body. Don't doubt that God has a word for you, not just through the word, but by his spirit and through one another, by his spirit through one another. And so he says clearly, God will speak to another for you. I love Acts 9, 10 through 19. And it tells the story that when Saul has come to Christ and he's been knocked off his donkey and, and has spoken to him and, and he has been blinded and God speaks to a man named Ananias. And Ananias is a faithful follower of Christ. He loves Christ. And now Paul loves Christ. Saul loves Christ. And Ananias loves Christ. But Ananias has heard what Saul was like before he came to Christ. And God spoke to Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go to a street called Straight and I want you to find a disciple of mine named Saul. And Ananias is like, wait, you're not talking about Saul of Tarsus because I heard about him. That guy is no good. And God says, no, he is a follower of me. 
and I have plans for him. And Ananias, who has fellowship with God, has committed now to have fellowship with Saul. And I love when you read that passage in chapter 9. Go to it. And he goes to the house and he says, I love these words. He says, my brother Saul, my God. And he touches him. And the Bible says the blindness fall, fell off Saul like scales off his eyes. And the Holy Spirit came upon him. And, 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 and he was baptized and accepted into the body. I want you to know when we have fellowship, Saul had fellowship with God. And Ananias had fellowship with God. But not until Ananias came to him and said, you are my brother. Saw we are in this together and he laid hands on one another can you imagine what happens when God's people get together and we lay hands on one another listen I pray our time apart doesn't make us want to just go to a service together I pray it makes us want to lay hands on one another want to encourage want to pray the power of the Holy Spirit on one another want us to speak things that come from heaven things that come from God not from somebody's devotion or somebody's book but what has God said to you and he's spoken into my spirit and I could see what happened to Elizabeth and Mary happening to us I could see what happened to Paul to Saul and Ananias happening to us or what happened in Acts chapter 13 where the Bible says and as they were worshiping and praying together the Holy Spirit said set up apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've gathered when we have this fellowship of joy and we are sharing with one another we are sharing what God has said to me and what God has said to you and what is he even saying to one another through each other I'm telling you something good is about to happen we'll have joy unspeakable and full of joy and full of glory are you ready for the glory of God to come down it doesn't come down just in singing and just in praying and just in praising it comes down as you and I are bonded in fellowship. Hallelujah. When you and I share in Christ, something happens. Glory to the Lord. God wants us to experience the sharing of Christ's will and word together just like we would share food as we would break bread I think you need more than a relation more than friendship bridge we need more than our church to be a place where we just have good relationships we need a caliber of relationship that is falls on the category of the fellowship of joy it, 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 see, it's more than even just what a husband and wife has and the husband and wife must have that bondedness in Christ too but it's not just in marriage it, it's beyond that my brothers my sisters we need the fellowship of joy no wonder Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 listen to what it says it says and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of son but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day 
drawing near. Listen, this ain't the time to be separating yourself from the brethren. Get somebody's number. Call them. Check up on them. Encourage them and receive the encouragement of the Lord. Don't use the excuse that, well, we've been in pandemic and we, you know, we haven't been in the same building together. So we, we're just, I, no, 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 no. Call somebody. Encourage them in the Lord. Hallelujah. Find brothers and sisters. Find students. Find children and speak God's word. Bridge of Hope. Who are you sharing with in the body? My God, he wants us to experience the joy of sharing. And, and then we go to 2 Samuel chapter 12, which was that key passage that we read. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, we see, and we had already heard about this passage because it's after chapter 11. Last week we preached about the sin of David. And so chapter 12 speaks about what happens after David has sinned. Um, you know, David and Nathan's fellowship is tested and proven. David has committed murder and adultery. And he is the king. And it seems as if, I don't know if he's isolated himself, but no one can speak to him. No one, it seems, except the Lord and Nathan. And this is why this fellowship of joy is significant, because God wants to speak to us. And sometimes even God can't seem to get to us. And so he has inserted people in the body into our lives so that he can speak to us. Uh, and, and I know that sounds funny, but uh, there are times where no one can speak to us, including God, because we have shut him out. You know, sin will make you shut God out. Sin will, make, will silence your conscience and silence your spirit from the voice of God. But God sends Nathan, his trusted ally, his trusted friend, his, the prophet who David has worked with constantly. Nobody around him can speak to him. He's isolated himself. You know, we're good at separating ourselves when we, when we want to be. But he has put Nathan in his life and Nathan tells him the parable that we read of the ewe lamb about that poor man who had a lamb and then this other guy comes in and, and, and the one who is making it says, you know what, I'm going to, I need a lamb and I take it from the poor and I use it. All, the only thing that this man has, this poor man has is this ewe lamb and God is speaking through Nathan that Nathan, uh, telling David through Nathan, David all Uriah had was this beautiful woman, his wife, his love, and you took it from him. You could have had anyone you wanted. You could have had anything you wanted. Instead, you coveted what you could not have. Can I tell you something? He coveted what he could not have. And let me tell you, David, God was speaking to David. And we know verse 6, and I'm just going to throw this in here. In verse 6, when David gets upset about the fact of, of this parable that he thinks is real. And he says, as the Lord lives, the man who, who has done this deserves to die. Verse 6, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing. This 
is repeated in Exodus word for word, Exodus 22, verse 1, which lets us know David's been going to the word, you know. David's been going to the principle, to the, to the, uh, to the tabernacle, hearing the word but not taking it in. He's heard it. He's even memorized it. Can I tell you, you can hear, preach, sing, memorize, and still be hard. But Nathan comes and applies that word. And when, Nathan, and when David gets hard and was like, I'm ready to tear down whoever's done this, Nathan says, David, you are the one. In the fellowship of joy, God brings people in our lives who can speak to us for accountability and discipline. Remember last week in, in Psalm 51 about the bones that you have broken. He's referring to the crushed condition of his soul when he came under the, the conviction and the consequences of his sin. And Nathan was the vessel used to bring that about. And I want you to know, those we are in deep relationship with, God brings them in our lives so that they can be with us in the times where our brokenness is made manifest. They can be with us to confront us, to hold us accountable, to remind us sin is a reproach and sin will bring down anyone and anything, any person, any family, any nation, even you, my beloved friend, even you, my pastor, even you, my deacon, even you, my teacher, even you, my mom, my child. We need people in our lives who are so devoted to us, they will not allow the, the relationship to inhibit us from being near to God because we're in the fellowship of joy. And the fellowship of joy is not just uh, horizontal, it is vertical. And the fellowship of joy is there to keep us with God and with one another. And Nathan was special because uh, he brought David back it reminds us of James chapter 5 and 16. In James chapter 5, 16, it lets us know that this, this fellowship of joy exists in the body for our good. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Then it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's effective. When the one who is praying for us who are broken in sin, they are praying for us. They're not just speaking accountability. They're praying, God, restore my friend. God, heal my friend. And what does God do in, John, in, in this passage in 2 Samuel? The Lord does, he first gives some consequences, which we need to understand that when we are forgiven, our consequences don't go away. We are brought in a right relationship with God. But when we sin, there's a consequence. If we steal, we're going to, if, if we don't pay our debt, we're going to have bad credit. If we, if we steal a car, we're going to be prosecuted. Don't think because I've repented that that relationship exonerates me from consequences. David lives with the consequence of his sin for the remainder of his life. But you know what's beautiful in this? Nathan is with them through it all. And we know that because in 1 Kings chapter 1, the Bible says this, King 
David was old and advanced in years. So we see that this is old in life. Now come to verse five. In that prophecy that Nathan spoke to David, he said, David, your children are gonna rise up against you. And here we have, now Ananijah, the son of Haggith, verse five, exalted himself saying, I will be king. So here he is rising up himself and he prepared himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Why? So that his father would be brought down. And the Bible says his father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done this? And so David is weak. He hasn't even gone against his son. But come to 11. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, remember Bathsheba? She's had a second son. The first son died in judgment. The second son, Solomon, is Adonijah. Nathan is the one who named him Jedediah, I'm sorry, the one beloved of God. Nathan has been with David even after the consequences of David's sin. And as David has had to seem his see the consequence of his sin, his house torn up. Nathan is there to say, remember, God still loves you, my friend. And then he's there to ensure that David's prayer and the prophecy comes to fruition. And Nathan counsels Bathsheba to get Nathan to go against Adonijah so that Solomon keeps the throne because this is the prophecy that was given in chapter seven. Nathan is there with David to the end. See this fellowship of joy, we're there to share hopes and dreams, we're there to speak truth in love, we're there to help one another experience forgiveness and restoration, and we're there during the consequences of sin. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you because you failed the Lord. No, no. First of all, I'm going to be there to tell you God still loves you. And then secondly, I'm going to walk with you. Church, we don't abandon people who, who love the Lord and are experiencing the discipline of God. We stick with them. We let them know God loves them. We, and we walk with them as they are reciprocating that love. Now, if they're living in rebellion, we have to distance ourselves. That's, that's clear in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7. But, but when they have returned to Christ, we've got to be there. We've got to be with them, thick and thin, protecting them, upholding them. This is the fellowship of joy. Bridge of Hope. Who, to whom has Christ made you accountable? Who can speak into your life? Who can ask you the deep questions? Who can, who, can, who can God send? Because this, and they can speak to you. Let me tell you, this has to happen. Are you in close fellowship with others, Bridge? We need more than our pals and our bosom buddies and our, our sports mates and our uh, friends at our kids' play dates. No, we need those who will help us bring glory to God and bear the glory of God. With whom are we sharing our hopes and dreams in Christ? In other words, it doesn't mean every hope and dream I have is connected to the word of God, but Christ is glorified in it. Who are we sharing that with? See, you can't share that with just the guy up the street, with just your boy, your girl, your sister, your friend. No, no, no. It's got to be a part. Who, who in the fellowship of love are you sharing this with? Who's holding us accountable in righteousness? Who is rebuking us? Who in your life loves you so much they'd be willing to risk their relationship with you 
so that you would be right with God. See, joy comes out of this fellowship. This is where discipleship leads. This is the kind of person and fellowship that discipleship uh, uh, develops. Church today, let's bow our heads and ask Christ, lead us to the fellowship of joy. Fellowship with the Father and the Son. Fellowship with those who have fellowship with the Father and Son. Deep commitment in this fellowship that brings gladness. Father, today, I ask you for myself and the body that you would give us joy. Our joy would be complete and we've already seen through your word that we can ask for that every day and night but if we, if we move away from those in our lives who are in fellowship with you we can't have complete joy we can be happy every now and then we can be in a good mood but we can't have that sustaining joy but our joy comes hallelujah as we are bound to them who are bound to you by your grace father develop this in the bridge let it replicate, let it multiply, let it deepen, let it become rich, let it exist in every home, let it exist in every neighborhood, let it exist in every town in the Piedmont Triad, let it exist, let it foster in the Bridge of Hope Church and may it cause us to go deep. As the song said, deeper, deeper, yet I pray. Higher, higher every day, wiser, blessed Lord, together in your word. David had Nathan, like Saul had Ananias, like Naomi, like Ruth had Naomi. God, give us brothers and sisters. Give men other brothers. Give women other sisters. Give spouses one another. Give children and students one another. May we be bound to you who binds us together in cords of love that cannot be broken. In Jesus' name we pray.